Welcome to the Restoration Church Life Podcast. We hope this resource helps keep you informed about the various happenings inside the life of our church and equips you to make disciples that delight in the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Hello, Restoration Church. I have the privilege of sitting here with Jeremy and Taylor just a few days before you hop on a plane and literally fly around the world. Uh, More on that in a minute. Uh, But first, just tell us briefly, how did you come to faith in Christ? So Jeremy, why don't you start? How did you come to faith in Christ, brother? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in an irreligious home. So my father has a Jewish background, but wasn't a practicing Jew. My mom didn't have any religious convictions. So they they brought me up without any faith at all. We never talked about God or religion. So uh, as I got older, I just started to develop some really superficial um, beliefs about religion and Christianity specifically. I, you know, I thought religion was just something that people came up with to tell themselves what they wanted to hear. And, you know, I, but I didn't have any reason for believing that. So did you have um, any Christian friends growing up? Like what I, did I, I, looking back, I did. I, at the time, I didn't really understand the dynamic of how their faith played into, um, into their lives. But it's been really interesting to look back and see a couple, you know, key people along the way. I go, oh, that, you know, I can kind of draw the connections now. Gotcha. Um, but, you know, I never was exposed to the gospel. Uh, I never heard the gospel. Um, so I, you know, I didn't, I didn't attend church. I uh, went to college. I uh, was studying engineering. I, I was one of those people that thought science and engineering and math gave us all the answers to the, the world, and we didn't need to look anywhere else. Um, and my coming to faith began uh, the year my grandmother passed away when I was 24 years old. So that was the first death I experienced of a, of a close relative, and it really began a, a series of uh, events in my life where I had to start processing things like, you know, what happens when you die? Mm. Um, and... I think the the real catalyst, though, in my coming to faith was um, I, I was serving God, uh, money as my God. You know, I think money was the primary driving force in my life decisions, material possessions, you know, career success. These are the things that I worship. Um, and when those things are taken away from you, you know, you have nothing left to stand on. Um, so there's a, a whole series of events that happened during the course of the months following my grandmother's passing that... Um, basically took away my, my income source, my job wasn't looking great, um, things were just, you know, suddenly become very difficult financially, uh, my life was just seemed to be crashing, crashing down. Um, and I had a moment where God turned my heart literally in a moment, um, mm. in, in, a, in a miraculous way. Um, there was a season of repentance and, and coming to faith in Christ that followed, but there was, I can pinpoint a specific moment where where in my like darkest hour, God basically drew me to Himself, um, and in that moment, like I didn't need like a scientific proof, or like I didn't need you know you know evidence of someone to show me that God existed. I just knew in my heart that God existed, uh, that He had a, a better plan for my life. And then there was about a series of two months following uh, that event that you know exploring Christianity. You know, I, I knew in that moment that you know okay, like I. I know God exists. I know He has a plan for me, but I didn't know how what that looked like. So I thought, okay, maybe I need to start attending a church. So started looking for churches. Where were um, you in the world at this point? San Diego. San Diego. So okay. search Christian churches in San Diego and uh, started going to the largest Christian church there. It's a, a mega church, but uh, 
you know, it was a, a blessing in the place where I ultimately came to faith. Um, so, you know, I, I, I spent a couple months basically wrestling with Christianity, religion. I kept thinking to myself, you know, oh, I'm going to eventually hit a stumbling point where I'm like, this just can't, this issue can't be reconciled. So I'd go off pursuing, you know, an answer to it. And in the end, I'd go, oh my gosh, this makes perfect sense. So um, it was about two months following that initial event where I surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. And um, I just, I knew I couldn't resist the, uh, the truth that God was revealing to me about himself. And um, it was a really amazing season of life, going from my darkest time to finding, finding life in Christ and finding God. And just looking back, seeing how like, I played absolutely no role in it. Like, I didn't seek God. I didn't, I didn't pursue him. I, I, I ignored him my entire life. I lived a life you know, pursuing my own desires and just, you know, in a, in a moment, him convicting my heart and changing my heart has just been very humbling to think about. Yeah, amen, amen. There were, and there were people at that church that walked alongside of you and you heard the preaching of the word there and all those. Were, is that where you were, Taylor? Were you at that church? Yes. Aha, uh -huh, okay. Is that where the connection was made? No, we no. actually knew each other before that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so the, but there were people at that church that began to walk with you. Mm -hmm. and... So we moved to the Netherlands about a year after this. So a little, a little less than a year, actually. Okay. So like just as we started to get plugged into the church is when we okay. moved away. And I was baptized in the next church that we attended. So gotcha. Okay. Good. And, and Taylor, you came to, you grew up in a Christian home, yes? Yeah. yeah. So I grew up in a Christian home and I attended a Christian school. And um, as long as I can remember, I had been attending um, church and, um, you know, Sunday school. But it was when I was around 12 or 13 that I really started to make a differentiation between this is, you know, my family's faith and this is what they do. But what, it, what does that mean for me? What does that look like for me? And it was at that point that I really started to understand more um, what a personal relationship with Christ is, and ultimately, when I was thirteen, I accepted Him into my heart as my Savior. Praise God! So. And y'all, so you met? How did you meet? We met at Berkeley. We met okay. in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We were, we were uh, both. I was an engineering major. She was a pre med major, and we both kind of thought like, "Hey, we like to study architecture." So, the beginning of our sophomore year, we took like introduction to architecture class, and uh, we met in that class. We were about 19 years old. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And you got married how long ago? Uh, five and a half years ago. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Five and a half years. And so you ended up in the Netherlands for a little bit for my master's. your master's. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you came to D.C. Because of my job. Because of your job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you've been in D.C. for a couple years now. Is that right? For a year and a half. Is that all? Man. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I can't even remember how long people are in DC, and yeah. you know, so it's good. been a long year and a half. Like there's been so much back. Yeah, y'all. Yes, his we're sitting down uh, to chat. So, uh, so you came to DC because of your job. Yes. You were architect, doing architect yeah. firm. So, and then you you landed at Restoration Church. Mm -hmm. So, what was it about Restoration Church that you said that's where so we think we're going to land? We had a heads up of probably two months. We were living in Amsterdam before we moved to DC when I accepted my job offer, and we started looking around. We had a friend in the Netherlands who had been to Capitol Hill and Baptist, and we were interested, you know, in looking at what does their um, statement of belief look like. And so we just started researching local churches, what really aligned with, you know, what we believe and restoration really, it, the statement of belief was very um, to our hearts. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember listening to a sermon too and just being so encouraged. Um, the three, we spent three years in the Netherlands and 
you know, we, we met some really great, solid Christians there and built some really lasting relationships. But by and large, it's very hard to find a, a church, English-speaking church there that's faithfully preaching the word. Um, I, I don't recall a single time in the three years where the gospel was clearly presented mm. in a sermon. Uh, it tends to be very topical versus um, text-based. So after three years, we just felt, you know, spiritually, like, just very dry. And, and um, you know, we, we would have to go on YouTube and search sermons and listen to, you know, preaching online to hear really solid biblical teaching. So, I, you know, it, that disconnect just really starts to, doesn't sit well. Yeah. Uh, so as we started to look, you know, we, we realized we needed quickly with restoration. We came to Restoration Church like three days after we, we landed in yeah, D.C. We got here on a Thursday, came on Sunday, and we've been going Well, there you go. That, that, for better or worse, no, here we are. Back, so. Yeah, well, just as, as one of your pastors and friend, it's been, it really has been an encouragement just to, to see you guys grow in the Lord, your love for each other, your love for the church, the way you serve, as we'll get into in a minute, your, your radical display of love and adoption. So just, just be encouraged. Uh, you know that the scriptures regularly call us to identify God's grace in others, and it's evident that it's in your life. And so I know I speak on not just one of your pastors, but many people in the church have been encouraged by you guys. So as we'll even learn this week, uh, press on toward Christ for the progress and joy of your faith and for the progress and joy of the faith of others. Uh, and so keep pressing on. So we could spend all day talking. We could talk about community group leaders, what you've learned there, your time as American friends, overseeing that. But those will have to wait for a different podcast because today, uh, in a few days, you are headed to Korea. Why are you going there? Because you speak Korean? No. How much Korean do you speak? Oh, a few words. I mean, we've taken a course, but we've probably forgotten a lot of that. We speak very little. Okay, <laughs> so almost none. How many times have you been to Korea? Once. Once? Mm -hmm. Okay, and so you're going there for what reason? We are going to adopt our son to complete the process. Um, we'll be going to family court and ultimately staying in Korea until custody. Okay, so, so let's, all right, so, wow, there's, there's a lot of it. So, why, in the first place, mm -hmm. you've been married for five and a half years, You've both got good jobs. We're sitting in your nice little home. You speak no Korean. <laughs> why? Why go? Why adopt? And then, like, why Korea? Like, so walk us through some of those things. Like, why adoption? Well, I think the very simplest way I can say it is God. <laughs> so elaborate. <laughs> I think uh, in looking at our. Our journey of adoption, um, it, it, there's, it's been super encouraging since we made the decision to adopt to ponder adoption within, with respect to our adoption and to God's family. And there's some very deep theological truths um, that have just been such an encouragement to our souls. But the, our decision to adopt and our process didn't begin with an understanding of those theological truths. So it's not like we, we came to an understanding of biblical adoption and then that like head knowledge just you know was encouraging to us and we decided to pursue adoption it god acted in a very like supernatural way to lead us into adoption it's kind of like salvation isn't it like we're saved yeah. and then we begin to grow in the glory and the understanding of all that means yeah yeah exactly. absolutely yeah so it began about two years ago almost two years ago to the day uh, we left for korea for a business trip for me that taylor was tagging along um Knew nothing about Korea. It's our first time. To and your thinking is just like, uh, I'm going to go on a vacation yeah. trip when my husband goes to work. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I think the the Lord certainly did some very special things in our hearts during that trip that uh, 
planted the first seeds of adoption. We had never thought of adoption before. Yeah, we, we completely, there's no reason to think that we couldn't biologically have children. We just all along thought, oh, we'll have biological children someday. And that, that was just, at when we were married, that was what we thought. And um, things that we learned while in Korea, uh, we learned a lot about um, single mothers and the situation um, that they face. And these were things we hadn't known before. Um, so you want to Yeah, so it was an encouraging trip to Korea. I mean, it's an incredible place. This, you know, Seoul is an incredible city. Uh, the Korean people are very warm and welcoming to foreigners, which I was very surprised that even though they spoke very little English, you know, they were very like hospitable. We really enjoyed our time there, but we could certainly sense that um, when leaving Korea, I think at this point more so for Taylor than for me, that the, there was some unfinished business there. That there, there, was, there was something that there was totally a seed planted there that... I had never felt like anything like that before. God was at work beginning something, and I had no idea how that would play out and um, and what what that would mean for our family. But I just knew in leaving Korea that there was there was a seed that God had planted. And how long were you there? We were there About for like a week. A week. Yeah, okay. really short. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I think that this, a seed was planted there in, you know, un, coming to an understanding of the fact that adoption is very scarce there. You know, the adoption rate in Korea is, is very minimal. Those and, are, and why is that? So from your understanding so and talking about... So from our understanding, it's um, culture. Um, it, there's a very high importance placed on family and blood. And um, that just kind of leads to um, people not being so inclined to adopt but then there's also an element of shame in single motherhood. And um, single mothers, really, no matter what age they are, they face um, kind of a decision of, do I keep the child and, and really have a lot of shame about this? Or do I put the child up for adoption? Yeah. So, And I think with that, there's the aspect of shame kind of stays with the child. So for someone to adopt a child that was conceived out of wedlock and is just is an orphan child, like you're bringing that shame into your family. Um, so for the, a country of a population of about 50 million, there's... It's there's a, incredibly the, developed that, you know, it, the fact of being developed has no, you know, propensity to... The, uh, the domestic adoption rate, though, is less than a thousand children per year. Last year, it was in the six to seven hundred range, so very few children adopted. So there's yeah. certainly a, a need for... Uh, children to be adopted. And then um, in the months following our trip to Korea, we started to have some very casual conversations about adoption and just kind of, you know, just simply like, you know, oh, you know, that's something that, you know, maybe we'll do later in life. Like, you know, we kind of sense like, you know, there's a need and we'd be something we'd be, we'd be open to. Uh, and then it wasn't until September of that year, about six months later, that uh, we decided to begin the process. And um, it started by I, th I, th I think the Lord working most heavily in Taylor's heart first and then mine shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. um, but for some reason, Taylor just started to think about it more, started even to look into adoption agencies. Mm -hmm. um, there were several instances where I remember looking over and she's sitting there staring at the, uh, the waiting child picture list where it has all the pictures of the, of the children who are waiting to be yeah. adopted. Most um, of, well, basically all of them had some sort of special need. And mm -hmm. so um, really starting to think through how we thought our family would be, but really realizing that maybe God had a different a different plan that we mm. wouldn't have biological children 
or that we would be, you know, that our hearts would be open to adoption and even adoption of a child with a special need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then um, we started to get more serious about in our discussions about adoption, what that might look like. So this was September of 2015. 2015. Mm-hmm. So then we're like, okay, well, you know, maybe we'll have children in a few years. You know, maybe we're not quite there yet, but this is something we're still seriously interested in. Um, but then I think the desire in Taylor's heart just continued to grow. Uh, and it was something that we were seriously considering, for, you know, in that moment. And then it wasn't something I was opposed to, but I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't as gung-ho as she was at the time. Uh, and then for me, there was a series of about three days where like the Lord was really pressing into my heart, just um, in a way where like, it's not like he, I, I sense this calling, like the Lord was saying, you just go do this thing and I just have to obey. It was, you know, a, really a change of my heart that gave me a desire to do it. And I, it, it, so not like kicking, I don't want to do this, but I know I should type of thing, but more of a, man, God is, I think I want to do this. Exactly. I, re- I really want to do this. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> And yeah. I, it, one of the things that really helped me in my in making the decision to proceed and in, in, in coming to a uh, a place where I felt you know this is something I wanted was just deepening my understanding of adoption uh, from a Christian perspective because I don't I didn't ha- I don't I didn't recall ever hearing a sermon about adoption before I mean this was like at this point I was a Christian for about three years so yeah, I was still you know relatively new in my my walk with the Lord so. Um, I started, you know, watching YouTube videos about people talking about adoption, about from the Christian perspective. I started reading, and uh, I would just really sense the Lord moving through the things that I was learning. Uh, and then I think the thing that really con- convicted my heart the most was I was reading a blog post about adoption, and someone wrote in the comment about it, like, you know, your story is really encouraging. Like, you guys are really living out Mark nine thirty six and thirty seven. So then I immediately thought, well, I want to know what that passage says. So. <laughs> I uh, I went and read the passage, and it's a passage where um, the disciples are immediately before this preceding this passage. The disciples are debating about who's the greatest, um, and then it's the passage talks about Jesus embracing a child and saying, "Whoever welcomes the least of these um, uh, welcomes me, and uh, welcomes uh, the Father as well." Um, so it was the single most time in my life where I was moved by uh, scripture. Um, you know, it literally brought me to tears when I when I read it and considered it in the context of adoption yeah. and beginning to understand how I was adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that point, I was like, you know, why why don't we do this? And they're like, there's no reason why we should <laughs> shouldn't pursue an adoption of a of a child who doesn't have a mom and dad. And you know, like we can follow the the, the Lord's example and and do this in our own lives. So um, at that point, we're like, you know, like let's just let's just put in an application and see what happens. Because um, even at that point, we still, everything we were told kind of said, even if you put an application in, expect about three years until you actually, um, you know, would receive custody of a child. And so in our minds, we were ready to take that step, but we kind of thought at the back of our mind, this is still a few years off. And we were we were really wrong about that. We were completely wrong. So things got to moving very fast. We um, we had inquired at the same time about a child who had a special need, and everything that kind of was presented to us said you probably won't end up being the family that he's matched with because there are probably several other families who are inquiring at the same time. And so 
even in that, we thought, well, we'll step forward in faith, but it seems like it still may be several years off. Um, and again, we were totally wrong. And so we were matched with our son, and um, I think just door after door after door kept opening. Um, and it was completely clear to us this was the plan that God had for us. We had zero unsure like feelings about it. It was, um, yeah, just a really like beautiful time of being so, it being so clear that this was what our family was supposed to do. Praise God. So you've, as, you, as you've walked through this path, you, your love for Christ has grown. Is that fair? Has oh, your, definitely. <laughs> has it brought you two closer together in some ways as you've yes. had to think about yeah. conversations? and Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, the last, the last few months, I would say, of this process have been particularly um, challenging. And we've grown not only, I think, closer together, but definitely closer to Christ and seeing truly what we have in him truly the confidence that that's all we have and that's enough yeah yeah amen yeah i think for me too um one of the things that stands out to me when i look back over the past year and a half of this process is just having extended intentional meditations on adoption um and what that means in, uh, with respect to us and to, to god's family and then seeing you know when you get to like look into the adoption world you're seeing examples of what God does for us, and so it it really like helps you understand your adoption, um, and it also like gives you more opportunity to just enjoy it and to just you know to savor it. And I've, I've been so encouraged to to really have the opportunity to to deepen my thoughts and understand and to, to get a better understanding. I think to truly understand, you know, what it is, what it means to be adopted. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know when I was studying, I was doing my own personal study of Ephesians last year, and just that, you know, adopted is, you know, one of the key things in the very first chapter, just think about that and how the gospel is so much more than your sins are forgiven. But it's this, it's this reconciliation, and not just, rec I'm not reconciled back to like a distant uncle or whatever, it's to a father in heaven yeah. uh, is an amazing thing. And so uh, it's neat to see that working out. So I know we've had conversations with Jeremy and, and just see how that's increased your love for Christ and as you, as you work that out. So, so you said soon after you started the process, you were matched up with your son. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so that was, I mean, again, a year and a half ago. Yeah, roughly. Uh, and so tell us a little bit about him. So Parker, it, he turned two in December, on December 22nd. Um, so he's a little bit over two. Uh, he had a seizure when he was three months old. And um, that really, we didn't know how, you know, really how he would develop. And it's been um, an encouragement to see even across the world that he's, um, yeah, he's healthy, it seems, today. He's growing. He's met his milestones, and we praise God for that. But even in the beginning, we were willing to step forward in faith, not knowing how that would look. And for us, I think that was even radically different. You know, I think mm -hmm. previous to, um, to starting the adoption process, I think we would have been like, no, you know, we would have hoped in our hearts that, that our family would have been, you know, perfect. Sure, yeah, yeah. And and so it was radically different for us to even be willing to step forward in faith and say we would like to adopt this child, not knowing how how the future looks. But 
by having confidence. Right. Putting your yes on the table and saying, we're going. Yeah. Whatever happens. Yeah, exactly. We're okay. Exactly. Yeah, the agency right. actually asks you, they give you a list of medical conditions and says, check off a box on all the ones that you're willing to accept. And I just found it really hard to like look at this list and be like, you know, I would be willing to accept this, but not that. You know, yeah. it's like when the Lord yeah, that's accepts really what us. It, yeah. You know, in, in all of our faults and like there's no there's no ill condition of ours that Christ's blood doesn't cover. So it's like how can if we're gonna model that, we should check yes on every one of these boxes. <laughs> and so you did. We did. <laughs> <laughs> well praise God. And, and right and, and I think that something can get lost in this is even praise God for the mom who chose life. Oh, totally. Right. That's know, a whole other. Yeah, just even as we, yeah. as I've been thinking about, you know, the other couples in our uh, church that are adopting is, mm-hmm. is often we, we forget, like we praise God for those moms. And so for Parker's mom who chose life oh, yeah. in a very difficult situation, yeah. Yeah. chose life. Yeah. She actually went into hiding prior to his birth because it, it's so shameful. And I think I, I often think back about how easy would it have been for her to, to end this and, um, it's just amazing. I, I, I can't thank this woman enough. And yeah. yeah. And she spent the first 17 days of Parker's life with him mm. uh, in a single mother's home before she uh, um, relinquished custody of him. And I just can't imagine after bonding with your child for 17 days, having to you know to give him up for adoption. I mean, it's a very yeah. selfless thing that she did oh. to um, totally to give him. Uh, you know, future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. May she, if she doesn't know Christ, may she come to know yeah. Christ and yeah, those types of things. But, um, and so, so what are some of the primary challenges that, that you've faced over the past couple of years as you've, if you, I mean, you know, logistically or heart level or what, what are some of the things that you've faced that you've had to wrestle with? Well, no doubt the biggest challenge in the whole process is waiting. It's, mm. it, especially for us, in our specific situation where the process went so quick early on, uh, we kind of just thought like this is how it was going to go the rest of the way. And there's at a certain point, once you finish your home study, which a home study is basically what a social worker comes in, uh, studies your lives, your homes and writes like a 20 page, very detailed report encompassing who you are and what everything, every detail about your life. Um, that takes a couple of months to get through that process. But once you get past that, it's basically out of your control. Everything is out of your control. So you're just waiting for the bureaucratic process. And you completed the home study. Oh, a long time. <laughs> I can't even remember. So January or February of last 2016. Year. Yeah, so over yeah. a year ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so then at that point, uh, it's just on the adoption agencies, the Korean government, the U.S. government to an extent too. And you're just waiting for milestones to happen, you know. Yeah. So, like, the first thing was the, every all of our adoption documents get sent to Korea, translated to Korean, and then the, they have to submit a request for Parker to get an exit visa from the country. And it was about a five-month wait just to get submitted for that request. And then after that, it was another four-and-a-half-month wait for that to be approved. And you're just sitting around waiting every day. And then there was another, day. like, two months for a court date. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So what has the Lord taught you in your period of waiting? To rejoice, um, no matter what our circumstances are, and um, yeah, it, it my heart definitely I, I fully acknowledge was hardened during you know the last few months in, in thinking like why isn't this moving faster and and wondering why God's time was not my idea of time and and that has been something that I've totally um, I've definitely grown in understanding truly God's time is you know, outside of our time, but beyond that, that we should rejoice in our circumstances, no matter what our circumstances are. 
And um, we have so much to be thankful for. God has been so faithful throughout this whole process. And it was my selfishness that was taking my eyes off of that and putting it on myself. Yeah, yeah. Waiting's hard. My, one of my mentors, uh, he has a saying that I've adopted and used now, is that uh, God is rarely early, but he's never late. Yes. <laughs> God is rarely early, but he's never late. And in that moment, like you said, it, it begins to pry our fingers and expose yeah. stuff in us that maybe we didn't know yeah. that was there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, as it comes out. So. Yeah, it certainly shows. Starts to show you where you're trusting yourself and your own your That's own right. yeah. doing of things in order to accomplish what you want yeah. to. And um, yeah, it certainly was a really encouraging, great season of just stretching our trust and our uh, how you know, testing how much we're willing to surrender to the Lord. Yeah, as you mean, like there's a lot of things you have nothing. Like I know we would talk at times how he's like I don't know we're we're waiting on the yeah. process to there's nothing we can do at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so, and how much English mm-hmm. does Parker speak? None. <laughs> so, Definitely none. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what challenges do you expect? Uh, well, in a way? We, we have so many different um, facets, I think, that, we'll, that we're anticipating. So not only are we, we're, ha- you know, our family is growing with a two-year-old who may be in his terrible tooth. <laughs> uh, so that will be one, you know, kind of facet. But here's the good news. You won't know any different. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> true um but another facet is that yes we're gonna have a lot of difficulty in communication so jeremy and i we've taken a korean course but we're gonna take the time that we have in korea to brush up on as much korean as we can and i think relevant korean too like what does a toddler need you know what how can we communicate with the toddler so it's that. Um, we also, our lives are changing a lot. I'm going to be quitting my job and um, I will be home every day and our place is very small. So, and Jeremy works from home. So there's so many different, I think, facets that we're, that we know will be challenging, but we're excited to see also how, you know, how this story continues yeah. to, to be written. And I think also one challenge, which will be I expect will be um, will be difficult. Is it's just an inevitable fact about every adoption uh, that there is pain and grieving in in the loss. Um, so for Parker, in the in the near term, that will be mostly grieving the loss of his foster family, who he's been with for two years. Uh, eventually, that will shift more into grieving his loss of his birth family. Um, so we understand that there will be different phases of grief throughout his life, and it's just something that he'll always have. Um, yeah, and I just, you know, when you have a, a two-year-old who's grieving the loss of the person who he thinks is his mother, you know, what can you do? Right. You know, there's nothing you can do to, to, to ease the pain, but to just to be present and to um, help I, him grieve, yeah. Like, yeah, help so, him through the process. Yeah. And y'all, y'all, y'all have been walking with the adoption agency and even yes. some other families that have adopted yeah. uh, through this agency, and yeah. so you've been. We've taken like a huge opportunity to connect with other families who are like right before us at our exact place and even people who have adopted in the last few years and so um, I mean they're very valuable resources in kind of seeing the different like the various different ways in which a toddler can grieve and how that plays out and you know just all the things that you may encounter yeah yeah so uh, how has Restoration Church come alongside you in the past couple of years to, to serve you? 
Uh, it's been a super encouraging. I think one of the things that is important to mention is that like our decision to adopt, I think, was very lar- largely rooted in how we felt at home at Restoration Church because we started the adoption process just about a month after we arrived in D.C. So our lives had already just significantly changed. And connecting to Restoration Church and feeling at home from right away gave us a foundation to feel like this is a place where we could imagine having a child. Yeah. So that that's where it began. Um, but I think the most encouraging thing has just been the way people have supported us along the way in, in the difficult times. Um, particularly our community group has just gone through all the trials and all the joys with us. and that Like literally cried when we cried, laughed and rejoiced when we rejoiced. What a beautiful picture of 1 Corinthians 12, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Uh, so your community group, so yeah, there's you know Mike and Liz before time, and then who? Pete, we have Dimitri, uh, Patria, Dimitri, Patria, Christy, Christy. We have Colleen, we have Beth, Colleen, we have yeah. Lane, Jeremy, yeah. Simone, Jeremy Simone, yeah. So yeah. all you brothers and sisters should be encouraged. <laughs> Yeah, so it was. It we had was, the Hawkins. We don't yeah, need more. That's right. Yeah, it's been, it was really great to be able to like in, in celebrate the news of the, our court date and now the completion of our adoption with them and just like um, going through this process with them and um, you know I think I really have seen how like the joy of this process is now their joy as well yeah. and that's been been very very encouraging yeah. to see. Wonderful. Yeah, and then also, uh, of course, financially, the church has helped us tremendously. I mean, the church has been so generous between individuals giving to us, um, the Restoration Church um, corporately giving to us has just been a, a tremendous blessing because the there's obviously very... You mean it's not free to go to Korea and get a, <laughs> adopt a it's child? Not, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's quite a hefty number of expenses, yeah. The, the yeah. not the least of which is just the travel to get there and back, right? I mean, yeah. you're going to be there for... Upwards of two to three months. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also the the adoption fees are very yeah. significant because I mean, basically, they're taking care of this child for two for years, several yeah. years of his uh, life. So, and there's there's just countless people along the way that have to play a role in this process. So, um, just the the way restoration has been so faithful and to us and to to the Lord and in providing um, financial resources mm-hmm. for us to help us meet like the the. The, the need that we had so that has been so so encouraging that like that was also part of in the beginning like um, we we knew how much this adoption would cost until we threw I had absolutely no idea how we were going to pay for it <laughs> but it was also part of how I just stepping out in faith and like you know if this is really what the Lord is it desires for us like he'll provide a way and, yeah. and it's been so amazing and he has, to see right? and yeah. he absolutely has yeah, yeah. wonderful uh, going forward how can the church serve you so, Lord willing, in, I don't know, two months, two months, right? Eight, yeah. ten weeks from now, maybe 12, you'll be back in D.C. with yeah. your with son. Uh, and, and what would be some of the ways the church could serve you? Um, I think just practically speaking, meals would be really appreciated. We know that we're going to be kind of hunkered down at home for at least a few weeks as he kind of, as Parker kind of learns to adjust to not only our family, but life in a completely different country. Um, and just kind of easing him into his new life with his family. Um, so meals would be really appreciated. 
Good. Yeah, just like when we, we try to serve those families that have children, you're having a child. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, to serve you practically in those ways. Do y'all have, like, in terms of just child stuff, do y'all have? We're pretty set. We, th- I mean, of course, well, you never know. I'm with you. We're, very, we're ignorant, really, yeah. on what we need, but we think we have everything Dude. that yeah. we need. Um, yeah. Also, uh, I definitely want to mention uh, prayer. I mean, this is a really pivotal time in Parker's life. Um, so I think um, you all could be in prayer that this transition would be um, would be smooth as possible. That the Lord would be gracious to him and merciful in uh, easing the pain and, and the grief of uh, of what what lies ahead for him. Uh, and then as we settle into a new family, that uh, the Lord would be gracious to us to lead for uh, Parker and serve him uh, faithfully yeah um also prayer for the foster family because they have a a huge loss in this too i mean we imagine that this is actually one of the longest fosters that they've had we know that from what we've read that they've fostered over 30 children but the time kind of has clued us that this might be one of the longest children that they've ever fostered so i mean it would be difficult no matter the time period but two more than two years is huge, and so we just pray that, um, you know, not only for their salvation, if they're not saved, we have a feeling that they are Christians, and we will be able to ask all of this when we meet them, but, you know, just for their hearts, and um, we also pray that we would in some way be able to thank them for for what they've done for this little boy in raising him for two years. Yeah, amen. And I also wanted to say, too, I think we should be um, as a congregation, praying for the spirit of adoption to to permeate the the life of our church, I, I I'm hopeful and, and optimistic the Lord will continue to um, to bring many many adopted children into the life of our yeah. church. So let's, yeah, let's pray that that right. continues. Yeah, Amen. I mean, it's it's happened, right? So I think I can even count four or five, maybe six families that are either either have a child now, will have a child in the immediate future, or are waiting for various things in the process yeah. of the adoption. And then not even to mention just all the work that goes on with DC-127 and foster sure. care that may not be adoption-oriented, but maybe it's perhaps preventing adoption from having to have to happen and just yeah. all that stuff. So yeah, I'm with you, that we would be a church that continues to engage in caring for those that, as Jesus says, I just taught on that passage, Mark 9. I do a weekly Bible study at Friendship Terrace. And I talked through Mark 9. I was like, why is this such a picture of the gospel? And it's because, like what you said, you're loving, and they can give they can give nothing in return. They can't pay you back. They can't, you know, it's, you're giving and giving and giving, which is exactly what the gospel is. God is a giving God. Uh, so we praise God for the ways that you are, you have been modeling this. You will model this. We praise God that we get to walk alongside of you in the in the trials and in the triumphs and the in the tears and in the rejoicing. And so we look forward to how God is going to grow you in Christ, how He's going to use you in your adoption to help us understand our adoption better. And like you said, how this might impact the congregation at large and even those around us that don't know Christ. So we love you guys. We're thankful for you, and we'll continue to walk alongside of you. Thank you. Thank Amen. You. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this edition of the Restoration Church Life Podcast. May God continue to give us the grace to make disciples that delight in the supremacy of Jesus Christ in Washington, D.C. and beyond.